Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 98. I am joined by Jessica Ash, the queen of helping women heal their metabolism. Uh, Jess and I did a podcast together last year, and it was my most listened to and most downloaded episode. The episode was on uh, fat loss, and we dived into how we can lose fat in a healthy, sustainable way, in a way that really supports our hormones. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly, highly recommend that you jump back and listen to our first podcast episode because we kind of uh, loop back around and we do chat a bit about uh, fat loss and uh, the healing journey in this episode. Our conversations are always fire. Uh, I love talking to Jess and today on the podcast episode, we talk about, well, we kick it off by talking about her morning routine and then what she's super interested in right now. So she shares some of the work that she's doing, uh, the research uh, and the projects that she's working on. And she has a a new course that's coming out in March. Well, we're going to hold her to that uh, on the gut, which is really cool. And we talk a bit about that in the podcast episode. And then we talk about uh, why nourishment sometimes feels worse before it feels better, which is a really, uh, I think it's a really interesting conversation. And she has a really cool analogy that she talks about uh, around, you know, cleaning out our pantry or cleaning out our cupboards. And I really like it because a lot of women, uh, you know, when they start building their training foundation, it feels worse before it feels better. And so we, we have this really cool conversation around our nourishment and healing journeys and our training journeys and why they sometimes feel worse before they feel better. And then we talk about why some women need to gain fat to lose fat. And, you know, in the metabolic community right now, there are a lot of women who are uh, gaining a lot of weight and whether that's safety weight or healing weight, uh, or it could be actually unhealthy fat gain. Uh, so we really we really look at what's behind them. You know, what's the difference between both of them? Uh, what happens? Like, what's the process? And uh, it's a really important conversation as well, I think, because a lot of women are really struggling with uh, their the weight gain when they start uh, metabolic eating. So we talk a bit about like the strategy behind. Uh, eating and whether or not, you know, we we need to gain fat to lose fat. And then we finish our conversation talking about something really, really cool, the link between metabolic health and anxiety. And I find this really, really, really fascinating. Uh, we don't dive too deep into it, and I'd love to get her back on to talk about it. But there's some really cool research out there around the state of our metabolism and our nervous system. Uh, and linking it into anxiety and the state uh, of anxiety. Okay, Warrior Woman, I'm going to stop talking because I really just want you to tune in and listen to this really cool, fiery conversation with Jessica Ash and I. Welcome to the Warrior School Podcast, the podcast for women who train. 
I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Can you hear uh, me okay? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You're in. A, That's always good to hear. You're in a different space. Where's your pretty background? Oh, I'm, I'm just in my office. So I kind of have like a, I, you know, it's not as, not as pretty of a background. Um, but this, this space is a little quieter right now. So. <laughs> okay. How was your morning? It was good. Yeah, I just got back from uh, walking my dog. We always go on like an hour walk. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> he makes sure of it. Um, so I usually try to get a walk in, just had like, you know, my regular breakfast. And then um, we're here. I've been starting my days a little later now, which feels good. <laughs> yeah. Um, our mornings sound very similar. In wintertime, I start my day later as well. Like I sleep in. A little nice. more because of the darkness and then walk Hank in the morning for about an hour. Uh, and then I settle into my work, except this morning, I've just spent the last hour cleaning up his vomit. Oh, poor baby's <laughs> not feeling good. <laughs> oh, sometimes we, we're more worried about them than we are ourselves. <laughs> we're like, what can we do? How can we help you? And they're like, I just shake it off. I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, so we came home and I was like settling into work and getting prepared for the day. And then all of a sudden, like he's up and then he's vomiting. So like five vomits deep, you know, <laughs> rolls yeah. of like paper towel and toilet paper. I was like, come on, buddy, you've got to be finished by the time I get on the podcast with Jess. Oh, well, if we have to take a break, that's, that's totally fine. We're <laughs> baby. Sure, okay. What time do you normally work out? Uh, it depends. I actually don't set a particular time. Uh, I'll have like a, a block of time. I try and get it done before three, but it will depend what's going on in my day. For me, it feels best around like lunchtime. Uh, okay. yeah, but yeah, I'm always curious. I always ask because I'm just always like, it's always sometimes everyone likes their different times. Um, but I am always curious because I've seen like women don't always do well with working out super early morning or super late at night. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do both of those <laughs> when I was competing <laughs> in Olympic lifting. Yeah. Really early in the morning and then late at night. And it, I actually hate training early in the morning. It does not feel good for me. Uh, no. Yeah, no, I, I used to be the same way. 
And I'm like, how did I do it? Like, I was probably still half asleep at the time, really. (laughs) I need to be about three meals deep. You know, I need to have a snack, then my breakfast, then another snack, and then... (laughs) And we're good. (laughs) It's funny, sometimes I just laugh at, like, my old habits. It's just like, I don't even know how you were functioning. You were, like, working out really hard in, like, a dreamlike state. (laughs) Yeah. Get hardly awake. Yeah. 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 Just like, oh, oh, you know, I could do it in my sleep. Yeah. When uh, feels best for you to move your body? Similar, like late, either late morning around lunchtime or like kind of, I try to do it before three. Um, so that's kind of like my, anytime after three, it's like, I can do it, but I don't always sleep very well. So I try to get in at like um, around this time, like middle of the day ish, but like, like you, I can't really have a set when you work for yourself. It's so hard to like have a set time every day that you do it. Like it just, you try and it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we have to be okay with that. I think all women need to be okay with that is, you know, sometimes the, the beauty in like a strategy and with all of this stuff is that, you know, it's in an unknown and foreseeable environment and we have to be okay with that. (laughs) Right. We don't always like it, but it is very feminine. So like, that's part of our, our ability to flow a little bit and be, be uh, resilient to change. Yeah. What are you doing uh, with your, your movement right now? Yeah, I've been doing uh, Libby's programs. So I've been kind of following her programs, but I, I am not very good at following anything. So I always kind of like, I get bored. And I also am just like, I just this, you know, I the same thing. So I've been kind of keeping her programs as like the core just to make it easy for me right now. But um, I've been doing lots of like mobility stuff. I've been really trying to get like my um, just been working a lot on my fascia. So just really like working on mo- mobility, getting my shoulders back in line. Cause I still have shoulder injuries that are just keeping me from being able to do like pull-ups and things like that. So I have like certain mobility goals. Um, so I've been kind of like mixing, mixing it up, but yeah, like a little strength, but lots of mobility and I've been re- getting into rock climbing. So that has been really helping me with my, you know, with my, my upper body strength. So it's kind of a goal. Now I have a goal of like actually being able to do certain movements that I can't do. So that's really cool. Yeah. I've seen that you're super into like your fascia, uh, and learning about just the meridians and the fascia and the body, uh, and the mobility part of like training, which is, Yeah. yeah, it's super cool. It's, um, I love, I love talking about mobility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. Like learning about, I've been starting to learn about it in the lens of like actually our feminine structure, like the female structure and how our uterus sits, um, how our gut actually sits a little differently. Our uterus sits differently, you know, in the second half of the cycle than the first half. So it's, is going to actually change a movement like a squat, for example, is not going to feel the same the first two weeks than the second two weeks. So just those things are very just fascinating because it's not a lot. A lot of people are still not, you know, we're moving to that. Like, I love how Dr. Stacey Stims has started this kind of revolution of like, women are not small men, but I feel like we have so much farther to go in relation to like, we're still trying to fit very um, like, 
exercises that are really made for the male physiology into the female cycle. So it's like, let's actually like reframe everything and what movements are actually appropriate and what movements does a woman need to actually be able to be strong um, and also still mobile and fluid. Um, and I don't know, like that's a discussion that I feel like is brewing for a lot of people because no, no one's really talking about it yet. Yeah. I remember, uh, it must've been like eight or nine years ago. One of my clients, her husband was a chiropractor and, um, he would speak about like, uh, the birth experience and mm. the position of the pelvis and how we get women to lay down on our, on their back a lot of the time, right. which posterior tilts, like th- puts their pelvis in a posterior tilt, which is yeah. why uh, he would see a lot of like trauma, pelvic floor trauma and tearing was like the position mm. of the pelvis. Uh, and mm. his wife actually had their like babies in the bottom of a squat, like full, like, yes. like open, like, he like supported her under the arms and like her pelvis just went into this beautiful anterior tilt and they just like pretty much like slid on out. So he became fascinated. Yeah. With the female pelvis. And, Mm. and then he started to work a lot with females and, and this pelvis and this pelvic floor, uh, which, you know, in the last five years, I guess it's really kind of uh, come on scene, this talk about like the pelvic floor uh, and uh, not just birth. What I was seeing actually in a lot of my women uh, clients was this chronic like hip pain that no amount of like, you know, treatment or like hip mobility work or stabilizing work seemed to like, you know, it didn't really help. And then I thought, oh, I think it's related to the pelvic floor. And so I had them go and see pelvic floor specialists and a lot of them were super hypertonic in their pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And they just had to do a lot of work on that. And as a result, over time, like it decreased their hip and back pain, which was super cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Cause that pelvis is like, it's just our, it's our anchor. It's going to pull every, it's going to pull everything in all directions. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you're so fascinated with that right now. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I am more fascinated with like the hormonal aspects and the fertility aspects and getting actual blood flow and nutrition to the reproductive organs, um, is no small feat. And most of us are very numb. You know, when we actually get into that area, it's like, Oh, it's actually kind of numb. Like I'm not really feeling it. So when I bring awareness, I'm really feeling it and I don't feel good. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it is interesting, but it, there's it, the research is like far and few between obviously oh, yeah. like on all, all women, but you know, you kind of have to piece things together. So we, we shall see, but yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah. I was uh, diving into the research the other day around like menstrual, menstrual cycle phase based training. And I found a stat that was just like so scary and astounding in between like 2014 and 2021, only 6% of the research was like exclusively done on females in the sport and exercise science arena. Yikes. 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 Yeah. I, and it's, and it's crazy too, because they will lump in like research on female rats, which they don't even have like a, you know, a human cycle. So it's like, well, (laughs) good try. I guess they're female. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
I guess we're moving in one direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things like I just like I love about you and your work is this just this curiosity and the experimentation that you that you do. So like this stuff right now on like the, you know, the pelvic floor and our like our reproductive organs and the blood flow. I know that you were doing like a, a coffee thing as well that you've spoken oh, about yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I always have to like very like hyper clarify everything I do because it's like oh no no coffee why are you not doing coffee is coffee bad you know and so it's more just like it's okay just I'm self-experimenting and this is why um yeah with coffee like I have just been really um ever since I started working with Libby she's super into HRV and so she had me start tracking my HRV and I started to just like make different correlations between a bunch of different things I mean it could be anything from mental stress to having like a decision looming over my head to caffeine. So I kind of have been doing lots of experimentation with like just paying attention to, you know, after a massage therapy session, like how does my HRV score turn out and like my metabolic markers. So more just looking at the impact of certain things on the nervous system and then how that's affecting hormones. You know, I'm taking it like on a bigger level, testing hormones regularly to kind of see what these impacts are. So just, yeah, I, I'm to that place where I can start to now, I have so much data and feedback for my students that I'm now like, I have so much to like, okay, that is a really interesting concept. Let's dig into that and figure out why that's happening. Or, you know, like I, I have gotten to this place where it's like, okay, we are really carving a, a frontier here. <laughs> no one's doing this. So might as well just make it fun and exciting and just chase curiosity wherever it goes um, and see what we can come up with. Yeah. What are some, what are some of the cool things that you've been learning from your students and now you're like going down like your, your rabbit hole and being super curious about? Yeah. I think the biggest thing, like I, I'm kind of working on a project where I'm starting to notice that uh, there are kind of categories of individuals. So um, almost like types in a sense. Um, and it's, it's not just metabolism types, like certain people need more protein and they're, they have more of a protein driven metabolism. And some people have a very carb driven metabolism, but then it goes deeper and it's, then their nervous system is driven by different parts. So some people are more, they more tend to go into that dorsal state of just being completely frozen. And then some people are going to go into the parasympathetic. They're going to be parasympathetic dominant. And then some are going to actually be like fight or flight dominant, but then it goes deeper. Like, are you going to be more prone to fight or flight? Um, and this has a lot to do with your personality, but also like what um, your dominant gland is. So I think I'm kind of starting to like figure out that some people have really strong thyroid, but really weak adrenals. Some people have really strong adrenals, weak um, gonads. So I'm actually starting to type, uh, create kind of like a typing system. Um, and it goes down all the way to personalities. I mean, I'm noticing that certain people with their nervous system drive, like they're going to make decisions in a very different way than someone with a different nervous system drive. <gasps> That's so fascinating. <laughs> yes, it, it is crazy. I'm like in the early stages, but we are, I'm starting to just like make these groups and uh, we'll see what comes of it. It's probably going to be a couple of years in the making, but there's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. Like kind of like um, archetypes or characters. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In the metabolic, yeah, metabolic space. Yeah. 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 And it's crazy because once I figure out 
kind of like I, I assume and it comes down to like the structure of your bone structure like I can tell by the shape of your face or the, the type of hands you have like some people have very like long lean bony hands where you can see their veins and some have kind of more shorter shorter stumpier fingers where that holds fat more so there are certain characteristics that people have and I'm like starting to watch people and then type them and then like I'm like oh my gosh they are that type <laughs> Cool. And then I guess out of that, it's like you can you can give them some superpowers and tools based on their like type or their character. Oh yeah, down to the macro break, breakdown. Like I, I think it, it it really can go down very deep. <laughs> you know what? The thing that I love about yourself and Libby and Leela and even you're so sciency. You're super <laughs> sciency. Like you love the science and the data, and you just like yeah. your passion and obsession with it gets me so excited because I'm the complete opposite. I'm like. I don't look at any really science or, or, or data that much, but uh, yeah, when you speak about it, like I just love your your passion for for, for yeah for this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because I like very much don't love like sitting and reading research studies or things like that. Like those are part of like the necessary parts for me. It's more like I just want to be able to like intuitively like know what I need. You know, like. <laughs> I want people to just be able to like intuitively know exactly what they need. And so it's like, I will lay down the sacrifice of reading this research paper for them so that they can be more in tune with their body and don't have to do it. But it is funny because I do. Yeah, I definitely love data. Like I have to observe everything and like make everything a science. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a cool project. I'm really looking forward to seeing it like just be birthed and, and yeah. what you learn over the next, yeah, couple of years around, around that. I think it could be really powerful mm-hmm. for people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What are you working on anything else or is that your big project right now? Yes. That project is kind of like ongoing, but it's on the back burner right now. I'm actually working on a gut course. It's almost out. Actually, it will be out probably eh, March-ish maybe. Um, no hard dates, but yeah, we're, we're in well underway on this project. So it's just, I feel like it's needed in this metabolic space or kind of this like, you know, bioenergetic space. Um, I think gut issues are complex and we have a lot of people entering this space that are very new. They're still on like paleo and autoimmune paleo. They have very complex chronic illnesses and it's kind of like, pro-metabolic is great. And these pro-metabolic principles are very important for them. But I think a lot of them are in such a, I don't want to say a bad place, but just such an imbalanced place that I think sometimes they need even a gentler approach or kind of a different approach to get them to a place where they can implement certain principles because they're reacting to dairy. They're reacting to all these foods, eggs, um, meat, you know, everything. They can't digest it very well. So um, I've definitely been doing a lot of just work on, okay, let's do a gut focus course that really includes a lot of nervous system support and um, it's very mineral focused as well. So I'm excited about it. I think it's definitely something that um, I think a lot of people will, it will give them a, a kind of just some new things to focus on when it comes to gut health, because I think a lot of people are kind of hitting walls and they're not really sure like where to go from there. Yeah, what are you seeing a lot uh, in the, in your work with the gut stuff? Yeah, I mean, just kind of regular stuff like 
candida, you know, fungus is a lot of, you know, whether that's chronic yeast infections, or we have like lots of gut dysbiosis, whether it's like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or people just like not digesting food well, like it's just passing right through them. Um, just huge amounts of bloating, uh, brain fog, just, you know, like the kind of those basic like digestion and then constipation is huge amongst women. Um, so I think those are kind of the biggest things or just feeling like they're not reacting to pro pro-metabolic foods which are just nourishing foods well so like histamine and um just kind of like reactions and their metabolic markers are also not responding well like their body is clearly irritated um and they're not sure you know they're so confused by that outward input of don't eat things that your body's reacting to that they don't they're kind of afraid of their food in a sense afraid of those reactions so i think working through that and kind of knowing how to approach that is going to give people a lot of power and like take away a lot of fear. Yeah. It sounds like it, you're just helping bring a little bit more like strategy to, exactly. to their approach or in their tra- transition. So if they've come from like a different dieting background or they are struggling a lot with digestive stuff is that you're helping with just that strategy of like, how do I transition? Because I guess what you've seen and what I've seen in the space over the last couple of years is that there's no, there was no strategy really. Um, especially for new people that are like working in the space. It's just like, we go straight to, okay, let's like eat this way. And out Mm. of that, there was, there's a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yes. 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 And like, when it comes to gut stuff, it's, it really does like wreak havoc on everyone's quality of life so much that I think they're just kind of, they're trying to do pro metabolic, but they're feeling like every day is a struggle. And so just, I think sometimes knowing like what's normal, what's not normal, how do I tell the difference? And then what can I do to support? So um, I'm not really happy with this kind of just kill, kill, kill approach that is so common in the functional space. It's like, let's just like destroy everything and then rebuild it from the ground up. And I'm just like, super uh, aggressive. Yeah, it's very aggressive. And it seems to be the only pr- approach. Like, and it's very, it's very much like a Western medicine approach of just like antibiotic, just give them antibiotics. So kind of coming from a different approach and like more of a metabolism approach, but also looking at minerals, which is pretty much the biggest deal. Um, and how like our adrenal glands or hormonal glands actually do regulate digestion in a lot of ways. And, um, how we can go about balancing them out so that we can get back to like nourishing our bodies and really fueling ourselves properly and actually allow having our body respond to that food well. Oh, cool. <gasps> yeah. I'm excited. She's, she's dropping in March sometime. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then like fingers crossed. I always like say one date and then it's like, oh, it's May. <laughs> Jessica Ash, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep you to that. We're gonna hopefully she drops in March, eh? Yeah, yes, we better <laughs> for my own sake too. Yeah. <laughs> and for all those women out there that are having all those gut problems, they need you. Uh well, today, like I told you this morning. Uh, you know, we've already started our podcast episode. I didn't really tell you, but we're, we're yeah, we're deep into it. I didn't really have like a a super, super clear plan. Uh, I'm, I was super interested to know what you're like curious about and what you're working on. Uh, I find that really fascinating, but I did, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. 
One is this idea around like, why does this like nourishment journey sometimes feel worse before it feels better? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love like all, yeah, I know you, you kind of are like, we can just talk about anything, but I love some of the stuff that you brought up. Like we could talk about this stuff, but yeah, I, I'm really passionate about this. I think it has a lot to do with mindset and we kind of touched it on this in our last episode on hormonally respectful fat loss about how sometimes when we come into our nourishment journey or our healing journey, whatever we want to call it, we, um, we have this idea of like how it's going to go. And a lot of us are stuck so much in this, uh, very, it, you know, we could call it like a hustle culture or this like kind of very like type a or masculine energy, whatever you want to call it, where our society is really run by that. And it's very much like checklist to do's. Okay. I'm going to do this, 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 and then I'm going to get here and then we're going to be good to go. And <laughs> it's, it's funny because people truly do approach their healing journey like that. And <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, I just want to get back to my like regular scheduled programming. <laughs> and I'm just like, you have entered, you have opened a box that you will not be able to close. And so I think people are still, they're in a really horrible place where they're trying to hold on to their old ideals. Like I just, I just really wanted to reach those goals so badly, but then their, their body is already setting a whole new pace, a whole new goal. And they know it like deep down in their gut, they know that they're headed in a direction they need to be headed in, but they have decided to fight it. And so, you know, nourishment is so much and just changing your whole reality really because that's what it is we've gone from this this idea of restriction punishing the body kind of like restricting the body into submission um even down to like you know being healthy shouldn't taste good and it shouldn't feel good it's you know (laughs) never miss a monday and um you know pain is gain and you know these types of weird things that are just very societally accepted And we're having to unlearn all of that. And then we're having to move into this new space where we're trusting our body. And it feels very scary because we have lost this illusion of control. We never really had control, but we felt like we had control because it's very easy to punish yourself. It's super easy to get to the gym and do a really hard workout and get out of your body and eat this nasty protein shake afterwards and like eat a kale salad. Like that's actually fairly easy. I mean, it's disgusting and you often fall off the wagon all the time because your body's fighting you, but it's actually fairly easy to do that. It's very hard to kind of submit yourself to the process and allow your body to take over because we don't actually have control over how our body responds to something. We only have control over our environment and we have control over how we nourish our body and how we treat our body and talk to our body and our thoughts. I mean, that's really all we have control over. How our body responds is like not in our control whatsoever, but we like to convince ourselves it is. Oh, so- I love that. I love that. You have to say that again. <laughs> yeah, we are not in control of anything. We as a society and as people and humans, we love to give ourselves these false illusions of control, right? We hang on so tight. We try to control the people around us, whether that's by trying to control their behaviors or trying to do even like more little kind of, it's almost a manipulative thing where you'd like to try to manipulate everything to make ourselves feel better. And this even happens with like lab tests, right? We try to manipulate the numbers so that we can feel better about ourselves. And our doctor says like, oh, good job. You did a good job. 
even though we're like dying inside, right? We feel awful, we feel miserable, horrible, but we're like, oh my gosh, I got I got the gold star, you know, for my teacher, A plus, you know? And it's just, it's a it's weird, it's weird, but here we are. And so it really is like a whole mindset shift. You're changing your whole reality, truly. And um, on top of that, your body is having to, I did a recent post and I'll just kind of like summarize on this is I kind of like to refer to healing as like the process of healing is like cleaning out a closet. When you're cleaning out a closet or you can say anything or a pantry, you know, when it's gotten to this place where it's such a mess and it's so disorganized and everything's everywhere, there's dust in the corners. Um, there's just, you know, we have to really like deep clean it. We have to really pull everything out. It, you have to put it all over the floor, all over the counters. And then you have to like wipe up all that crap that's, you know, behind in the crevices. It, let's say, you know, your partner comes in and they're like, what are you doing in here? Like, it looks like a disaster. It's a mess, you know, and that's their perception, right? Like it does look like a mess compared to before, but we knew that inside the pantries hidden away behind the door, it was a mess. And so we had to create chaos. We had to pull it all out. And then what we're doing is we're saying, okay, this goes in the trash, this we can donate. And then how do we want to take this stuff that we want to keep and organize it in a way so that we can use it and it actually gets you know, good use. It's an efficient way to, to go about our lives. And healing can be looked at as, as the same way. When we kind of first kick up the dust or, you know, it's like when you stir up water when you're sitting in a river and just the dust just kicks up, it feels like, oh my gosh, everything's dirty. Everything's chaos. Everything's a disaster. But what's happening is the body's resorting everything. It finally has the energy and the nutrients to do things, jobs that it maybe never was able to do, or it hasn't done since we were a child and we had those nutrients. And so, you know, many of us are growing up not eating nutrient-dense foods. We don't eat traditional foods. We don't eat foods that are rich in fat-soluble vitamins, lots of really good animal foods. We're not eating enough carbs. Most women are, um, I, I would say that most women I've worked with is some type of athletics in high school, as well as most women are pretty um, like go-getters. They're either like go-getters, type A, or they feel awful about not being that way. So there's that added stress. There's either the person that is like a stress cadet, <laughs> or we have people that feel like they there's something wrong with them if they're not a stress cadet. So they're they're literally a stress cadet thinking about not being a stress cadet. So we just have these two categories of women who <laughs> like are just stressing themselves out. Um, and this is normal. Like this is this is actually encouraged. It's 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 encouraged in young girls. And so we have girls that are still developing they still have about 10 years of development under their shoulders because women don't stop really developing at least our brain doesn't stop until around 25 and so they're still developing they're oftentimes waking up very early where teens actually need nine to ten hours of sleep maybe more our, our brains take longer to wake up when we're teenagers so there's, you know, we're not getting enough sleep. We're not eating enough oftentimes. I mean, how many parents make sure their high school girls are eating enough? And like, you know, kids are a little bit more intuitive. Children are oftentimes, I'm hungry. I'm hungry all the time. You know, they'll ask for a snack. They often like things that are already technically like pro-metabolic, like string cheese and fruit. But as we get to be adults and our bodies are changing, um, this often gets left behind for societal standards. And by the time we're 25, we have gone 10 years of under eating, over exercising, over stressing. Um, many women have gone from high school to college, which is a whole nother pressure. 
And then they're here in this place in their early mid twenties where their hormones are a disaster and they don't even know, understand why. And so there is all these closets that need to be cleaned. There are so many things that our body has put on the back burner just so that it can have the nutrients and fuel it needs to survive. And most of us, let's be honest, in high school and college, we are not eating the most nutrient-dense foods, most people. So most of us in our you know 20s, 30s, we are in a completely depleted state. And the minute that we start to in, um, intentionally nourish ourselves in a specific way by getting enough calories, eating regularly to keep our blood sugar balanced, and then getting that the, that fuel from nutrient dense sources that provides us with minerals, fat soluble vitamins, water soluble vitamins that we need, all of a sudden our body's like, heck yes, let's do this. It starts to just pull things out of all of our pantries and closets. And it can look like a disaster, right? It can result in feeling tired because we're running on adrenaline for so long. So, you know, here we are now, we're like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. And it's like, I call it healing amnesia. (laughs) We forget how awful we felt before, but we're like, at least we were skinny, you know, at least I was skinny. I felt, I felt awful, but I'm skinny, you know, and now I'm, I've gained some weight and I'm tired and my skin is breaking out and I'm compassionate because I've been through it. I know it's just just, it feels like here I am finally taking care of myself. It feels like the world is falling apart. And really it's just our perception. Our body is always for us. It does everything for us. Every symptom is your body telling you exactly what it needs. It's trying to communicate to you. And we are kind of, at least in current modern society, we're horrible communication. We do not understand communication at all. If someone tries to communicate to us, we take it as like a personal attack. It's a, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, disaster has hit, you know, and we have to remember that just because a symptom is uncomfortable, like a, like a conversation with your partner can sometimes be uncomfortable, especially when you're having hashed something out. It always results in growth if you allow it to, or It doesn't have to if you want to shy away and kind of go back to your safe place and say, no, I I can't take it. I'm not strong enough to deal with this. Yeah, you can revert back to how you were before, or you can take it as an opportunity for growth. So really, nourishment and healing our bodies and our healing journey can sometimes our perception of it can be that it's getting worse before it gets better. But in reality, change is still change. And just because the change wasn't up to our expectation. Like we didn't just like have a magical moment where we went from not feeling good to feeling amazing. Doesn't mean that this change is not good. It just, because it's not what you want it, you're perceiving it as bad, but in reality, all change is good change, especially if you're doing the right thing. So it's always what's, what type of habits are you implementing? If you're listening to your body, you're acknowledging its needs and you're giving it what it needs, then you're allowed to just give it space to do what it needs to do. And that's not always going to be like, wow, I feel so amazing all the time. It's going to be up and down for a while. Yeah. And I see this in the training space. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. is that uh, often training feels worse before it feels better because Mm. we're rebuilding their body from the ground up. So, Mm. and it's hard. It's hard to actually be in our body and to slow down and to work on our mobility and to work on our injuries uh, and to do everything so slow and controlled and with quality Mm. because so many women have been out of their body for so long. Uh, 
you know, just like go push harder, do when mm. uh when I pull them back in, they hate it. They because they already mm. feel a bit foreign in this like new body. And then you take mm. that foreign body and we start to create a movement practice that is so different from what they've been doing before. They it feels worse before <laughs> better. But oh. that's how it's meant to be. And this is what I tell mm. them. I'm like, no, this is like what training is meant to be like. You're meant to be so mm. in your body and so aware. And yes, you you know, that feels a bit uncomfortable or that feels good or you feel the difference here or like, you know, all of these sensations that are coming up, uh, that's, that's right. Like that's, what's, that's what training is. You know, it's not get out of the body and push harder and harder and have no idea what's going on with the body. Uh, and so I love how you speak about it from a nourishment and a healing perspective, because I see it all the time uh, in the training space and women don't want to spend the six, nine, 12 months, like rebuilding their foundation. They just want to go back to like how they were training before or like what they could do before, but mm. their body, you know, their body needs to be rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing way to look at it. And we could probably take you know, take that and say that when you are kind of, when you're going through this growth, this mental growth, where you're having to constantly like tell yourself, no, we're not going back to the way that we were before. We're not doing these old patterns. We're not doing these old habits. And like you said, you're, you're having to really, you feel uncomfortable in your body because you're uncomfortable with kind of how you look sometimes. And then you're also having to really get in your body during workouts, where I feel like a lot of women use exercise as a way to kind of get out of their body. So when you have to be in your body and go slow and be controlled, sometimes it leaves so much, a a lot of women, allow this to drive uncertainty and fear and uncertainty and fear are some of the worst things for our nervous system. It's just a constant uh, fight or flight instead of approaching it from curiosity standpoint and a, a trust standpoint saying that the reason it feels hard is because my brain is literally growing. And that's, you know, the same thing as when we, you know, uh, build muscle, we get sore, right? It feels like, oh my gosh, I can barely walk down the stairs sometimes. Or, you know, when you at least first start training and it's the same thing, you are in that hard part where you're having to retrain all your previous thoughts, everything that you ever automatically thought about things, especially concerning your body is no longer true. You're having to retrain all those thoughts, all those habits where you would look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm a little chunky. Now I got to go do the spin bike every month or every day fasted, or, you know, you're having to say like, no, that's not the right way to approach fat loss. Okay. Let's, you know, say like I'm healing and this. So you're retraining not only your body, whether that's through training or nourishment, but you're retraining your brain and your brain and your nervous system are the hardest thing to retrain. It is the most challenging work. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. And I see it, you know, every day. And, and I've been through it myself, you know, when I rebuilt my body from the ground up, it was so hard. Like it was one of the most, yeah, the hardest, but most rewarding experiences that I have ever had. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. like over 10 years ago now, but yeah, it's, it's really hard for us to, to be okay with that. And this is why my whole thing is like, 
this stuff takes, you know, years. Yes, of course, we're going to see progress and results along the way, but like this, this big kind of big long lasting change or this really nourished or really strong body takes years to, you know, to develop, uh, not months or weeks. Uh, and so, and I think that's really hard for a lot of women as well this concept yeah. of like years I often say you know with warrior school and because I ask for okay like nine months invest you know initially but if I could I'd be asking for like two years sometimes right. I even want to say like 10. <laughs> I know I know and it's true it is so true because it takes time and a lot of women are afraid of time because they think like and I talked about this um on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of women resonated with this. They said, I, and I was talking about how we kind of have this fear as women to age. We feel like if, you know, once we hit 40, it's just too late. And like, we're just old and decrepit and we might as well just give up, you know? And so we feel like this time is like, time is of the essence. It, it's a, it's a weird mentality because why do we feel that way? Why? Like, once we hit this magical number, it's like all of a sudden, like everything just goes downhill, but we do have this kind of mentality in society. And on top of that, we also have women who are doing everything they can to defy aging, you know? So we have this like pressure of like, should we care about these things? Or we do have this idea of like, we we don't have enough time and we do have time. We have all the time. Like who cares if it takes a couple of years to get to where you want to go? Won't you be so glad that you started now? Like, you won't be uh, regretting three years from now, starting now, you will be regretting three years ago, trying to do all the quick fixes, all the 90 day fixes over and over again, and not seeing the results that you want and being in the same place three years from now. That's something you will regret, but you won't regret built, you know, building your ground from scratch and building these strong foundations and slowly building from the ground up. And, the time just compounds the results, you know, you get these tiny little changes day after day, you put one foot in front of the other and, you know, 365 days times three. Um, I think that's like over a thousand. I'm not very good at math, but that's a lot of days <laughs> and you get a lot of results in over a thousand days, but it's just every day you should treat it like one day at a time rather than this, like, well, I just want to be better in three months or I want to be better in six months. You know, why put a time, uh, a time frame on, on greatness? Yeah. And yeah, I often talk about it as like, you know, we're on like our mission to get, you know, to feel uh, how we want to feel or to get where we want to go. Not that that mission ever ends. It's like for the rest of your life, but we're on this mission. And I say a lot to my women, like wake up every day and are the choices in alignment with where you want to go, like your mission. Mm. And if they're not, well, that's going to make the mission harder or slower, or, you know, maybe we don't get there or, and so if we can just wake up, I love how you say just one day at a time, like, what can you do today? That's in alignment with where you want to go, but also supports where the body's at right now. Like, what is it telling you? And what are you going to do about it? (laughs) Right. Right. That, yeah, that's such a good point is, you know, taking steps during today, for your goals, but also just being present with yourself now. And like, what do you need now? Don't treat your body. Like it's the body you want to have treat it as the body you do have right now. 
Yeah. And I say that with training all of the time. Yes, you may want to get to this place and do this certain thing, but what is the body telling you right now? Like we actually need to do this work, the mobility work, the stability work. It needs to be slow and controlled. And, you know, you haven't earned the right to add a lot of load yet. Uh, And so, you know, that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to lay the concrete before we build the pretty house. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And I hope, I hope that resonates. I love your pantry and closet analogy because it does have to get a lot messier before, uh, you know, it feels better. And so it's very powerful, Jess. I really like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Let's, um, let's chat about, you made a post a little while ago and we did cover it a little bit in our last podcast episode. Uh, why some women may need to gain some fat uh, to then be able to lose fat or change Mm. their body composition. And the reason why I just want to bring it up again is it's just come up in my work a lot lately. Yeah. (laughs) Just this, the the body composition and the fat and and the time. And, uh, and so can we just like, let's just like, let's go at it again. (laughs) Yes. I always love this topic because it's just so controversial too. Like everyone has a different opinion on it. And I just want to say like in health and as you learn more, at least for me, I realize how much I don't know. And so it, it, it can be very easy to apply what you've experienced to everybody and all people do this, right? Coaches, trainers, practitioners. And so I try to have a neither black nor white approach in the sense of oftentimes health in the body and nature and, and, and everything in biology is not really eithers, it's more ands. So it's not either black or white, it's sometimes black and white. And some people are like, oh my gosh, mind blown. Like how, like, like I'm having a conniption. Like how does that exist? Yeah. I don't and like is- that. I don't like that because <laughs> I want it to be right or wrong this way or that way. Yes. Yes. And you know, it's, it can sometimes be both. And so it's always about context. And, you know, I work with a lot of women that are coming from these very serious backgrounds of lots of restriction. And I kind of attract a lot of girls who had um, eating disorders before um, or are still recovering. Um, But I also attract a lot of women who have PCOS, endometriosis, or even more like uh, chronic illnesses or mixtures. And so a lot of them have very unique histories where their body, they've been struggling with their health since they were very young. Their bodies have never had a sense of stability ever. They've often yo-yo dieted from young ages. They've probably never in their lifetime eaten enough calories or eaten the right nutrients. And I would say this is probably a majority of women, but there are some women who have better, I would say like um, nutrient or genetic potential that was passed on to them, whether that's from their parents or how they ate during their childhood or different things like that. But I think people that are really struggling with their health and chronic illness, they're in a metabolically on a cellular level, they're not in a good place. And so this is something that's really important for me to remind people who say that the healing pounds aren't necessary or gaining safety weight is not necessary because maybe for a few people that's true, especially if you have a lot of established muscle mass, you're coming from like a really hardcore training background. You may not have to gain a whole lot of weight or fat, um, to, to uh, get to a metabolically healthy place. But there are a lot of women who that's just, it's not, 
I, I, it's never the goal to gain weight. So I think that's really important. Like, I think a lot of people will take this idea of like gaining weight while you're healing your metabolism or um, gaining fat as like, it's the goal to gain fat. That's not the goal. But what are the habits behind the fat gain? If you are slowly, in, you know, slowly increasing your calories, slowly increasing your nutrients, you're resting more, you're stopping overtraining, you're stopping abusing your body, you're starting to work through your emotional triggers or your trauma, you're starting to work on your mobility, your flexibility, kind of get what's in those tissues released. And that results in, in fat, which is to the body is just stored fuel for later or safety, then that was probably necessary. And this idea of oh, you might have not done something correctly or perfectly right, I think puts a lot of pressure on people's shoulders because there really is no right or wrong. You know, some people coming from one background may not gain that much weight or maybe they'll even lose weight. Um, but some people will gain weight and it, it has nothing to do with the fat. I almost hate to even focus on it because it's whatever needed to happen for you to do the principles and the habits that you needed to do to heal well, that's okay. And the body sometimes does need some space for a couple of years to just clean out all its closets, resort everything, do what it needs to do, have that kind of extra added safety so that when you're ready to start training or kind of more intentionally um, utilize that fuel that has been stored or lose that fat, your body doesn't have, to, it won't be as, as stressful as a process because mm -hmm. losing a part of yourself or using a part of yourself, um, it does require you to uh, go more into a catabolic state. So when you do actively try to lose fat, you are utilizing catabolic hormones. And most people are spending their whole lives in a catabolic state. So sometimes getting ourselves out of a catabolic state and even possibly into more anabolic like tendencies of, of building and growth can sometimes be helpful as we move or necessary as we move estrogen out of the tissues, as we exchange our the polyunsaturated fatty acids in our tissues with the saturated fatty acids, as we implement nutrients and iron starts to move. All of these are going to naturally really lead us to probably being in a state where we're more susceptible to uh, putting fuel into storage or fat gain. And we have to just understand that that's a result of the years beforehand. It has nothing to do with what you're doing now. What you're doing now is what you're supposed to be doing. Your body's finally getting what it needs. But unfortunately, all of the junk that has happened up until this point is still there and having to be dealt with. And when you move something from the tissues, it has to move into the bloodstream first. And it may affect other tissues. It may affect other cells in your body. And hormones and um, nutrients. They're just information for the cells, right? The cells say, oh, this is what the other cells are doing. So I'm going to do this. And so sometimes kicking up the dust, like I like to call it, can result in a big, um, almost fat redistribution. And it might lead to more fat gain, but it also might lead to just fat changes. So maybe where you store your fat will be funky, or maybe even it's a little lumpy, a little cellulite -y. Um, And we have to remember that fat, most toxins are fat soluble. So um, they dissolve, which means they dissolve in fat. They need to be carried by fat. And when we're moving this stuff around, our body likes to use fat to keep it safe and away from the stuff that doesn't need 
uh, like things like heavy metals, like your brain, for example, or your kidneys, your, your body very much knows what it's doing. And I think this kind of a hyper obsession, and I get it, like we want to, we want to look different, we want to get rid of our fat, we want to have, um, and I think a lot of women think they want to lose fat, but they actually just want to redistribute their weight, build muscle, right? They want to change the shape of their body. So I think once women realize that it's more about fat redistribution and muscle mass, they'll start to realize like, it's not as much about the fat loss. And you can kind of take a step back and say, my body's doing what it needs to be doing right now. Um, And no, it's not forever. It's just temporary. Yeah. I think, I think what I've seen uh, is that where women are feeling a lot of friction or they're really struggling is that it's like, and I'm trying to like, I'm, I was trying to articulate it. Maybe they didn't, uh, maybe they went too quickly. Maybe they didn't have a strategy to it. Maybe yeah. uh, the whole process was a little stressful. So I think what they find hard is that Maybe they did start to follow some of the principles and eat the food, but then they did gain quite a bit of weight. Like I, right. uh, and they, they struggle with that, knowing if that's like, if that's kind of what was, you know, meant to happen for their body to get to this place of, you know, their markers are, are better and they feel a little bit more safe or did they do it in a way that created a little bit too much stress and then they had this very quick, um, you know, increase in, in fat because the, the body was quite stressed. So I think that's where they find, and I'm not sure if you found that with some of the, the women that you work with. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that was a great way to articulate it. Like, um, I, this is kind of this constant argument. Cause I think there's some people that truly did need to gain the weight. And I, I try not to give like too many numbers because yeah. that can really make people feel like, Oh no, I did, did it wrong. But, um, in fully nourished, I teach that usually safety weight is going to be between 10 to 30 pounds. So, um, and that depends on where you're coming from. So if you're coming from a really underweight place or you're a very lean individual, it's probably going to be more on the up end. But if you're somebody that's already kind of overweight, you, you should be conscious of that. You don't want to gain a ton of extra fat and, you know, five or 10 pounds, it's not a whole lot. So, you know, you, you probably want to stay around there. I see that a lot of women kind of stick to that 10 to 30 pound range. It's usually kind of in the middle around like I've gained 15 to 20 pounds and I feel amazing, you know? Um, but then there's those women, like you're saying, where they just went very hard, very quickly. And, you know, it's sometimes hard to quantify what we need to heal because a lot of us focus very much on the physical, but we have to remember that a lot of these women were living in restrictive states for a very long time. I mean, they were, the dessert that they were allowing themselves was like blended frozen cauliflower with almond milk and stevia. You know what I mean? Like they're just, and they were calling it ice cream, you know? So they, they were not only physically starving, but they're like mentally starving as well in a lot of ways. And so sometimes this idea of like, I can eat real food. I can eat cream. I can eat eggs. I can eat butter. I can eat ice cream. What? And I think sometimes, and this is not always the case, but sometimes they actually needed this uh, freedom. Like the pendulum was swung so far in this direction. Then it had to swing so far in the other direction of just like, I'm allowed to eat whatever I want. I'm going to eat it. And then sometimes they get to this place where like, okay, I can't eat a whole pint of a Haagen-Dazs every night. Like 
that my jeans are too tight now. You know, they know they've gotten to this point where like, yeah, this is not working for me, but I, I needed to do it. And then they kind of find this place in the middle where they know their limits. But how do you learn your limits? Like even watch a child learn to walk or a child learn. They're always testing their boundaries, which is why they constantly bonk their head and fall down. And they're, they have to learn what, how much is too far to know, okay, this is how I how I regulate myself. And so I think a lot of people think they kind of beat themselves up about it. Like they'll say, I went too hard, too fast. And yes, that's very possible. A lot of people go into this with no strategy. They just follow a bunch of people on Instagram and then they just eat what we're eating. And they're not, that's, they've been trained by society that that's what you do. You know, this is something in every space, but oftentimes they're following like a vegan influencer or a paleo influencer. And it doesn't always result in weight gain. Like implementing pro-metabolic principles does, but you can't go from eating a very low calorie diet that doesn't have a lot of fat or carbs and, and then just like binge on everything and anything. And then another mistake that a lot of women make is they do not understand how calorie dense fat is because we kind of have these like mixed messages. It's always like, Oh, add a healthy fat. And keto is all about adding fat wherever you can. And so they come to pro metabolic and they're just used to globbing butter. You know, when they cook their scrambled eggs, like a glob of butter. And then when they, you know, put butter on their toast. It's just globs of butter. And they don't understand that one tablespoon or one small little smidge of butter can add 105 calories to a meal. So do that enough times and you're sometimes doubling your calorie intake every couple of days. So I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is they're just doing way too much fat. And when you combine a really high fat diet with a higher carbohydrate diet, like pro-metabolic or bioenergetic is, what you're finding is that the Randall cycle is induced, which the Randall cycle is where fat and carbs compete for energy in, in the cell itself. And so this will often result in glucose being stored as fat because the body has to prioritize the slower burning energy or the fat source first. And so this is, these are kind of the mistakes that a lot of people make. And I don't even like to call them mistakes because they're learning lessons. Um, and I often see that these are the women that are, you know, they're hitting that 30 pound, 40 pound, 50 pound, 60 pound. They just keep going and they are still so focused on out outward um, sources telling them what to do that they haven't learned yet. Okay. Internally, my gut is telling me something's off. Maybe I need to change something. They're just constantly focused. Well, well, they're doing that. They're doing this. They're doing this. So I'm going to try to do this instead of saying, what does my body need? There's something not right. What is going on? But a lot of times it's really just the macronutrient balance. It's implementing carbohydrates too fast while fats are too high while not eating enough protein. That's kind of like the recipe for just fat gain across the board. Yeah. There's so much in that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I know. you know, what comes up for me is that like, there's no like right or wrong, you know, it's that, mm -hmm. and, we, and we just, you, we have to try, you know, we, yeah. and then we, we learn from that. So with the, with these women that have maybe gained, you know, quite a bit of weight or what they perceive as like too much again, like, how do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, right. was it, or wasn't it, uh, you know, I think what, what I try and get them to do is just focus on, okay, what's going on in the body right now? Like, what are our markers doing? What is our energy doing? Like, how does training feel? And if all of those things are like, great, it's like, okay, well, like we can train and we can move our body and we can focus on, you know, doing those things. And as a byproduct, 
then the body composition may change. Uh, and, and yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard because when you're training and you feel uncomfortable and foreign, and then you, you maybe the mind thinks that you've done it wrong. Uh, and you just want to like get it off you again. And so a lot of women really struggle to be like, okay, I just like, I just need to like get it off me again before like training feels good or before I can train again. And that's not the right way either. <laughs> There's exactly. no right way, but that's not supportive. Um, I should say that's not going right. to support because it's going to create more stress on the body if we just try and get it off again. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, unfortunately we can't like cut our fat off our body. That just is not, it's not possible. So stop wishing it's possible. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. Like if, and I think time really is good, good indicator too. Like if you've made changes in the past three to six months, that's usually the most volatile time, like where you're going to see the most just kind of changes. But if after six months, you're still experiencing just rapid gain, like you just keep gaining, 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 and it's going past that 30 pounds and it just keeps going, then like you said, at that point in, at that moment in time, what is your body telling you? Instead of looking at the whole picture, I mean, keeping in mind, like where you've come from, but also just saying like, what is my body telling me now? And oftentimes when people are experiencing that kind of gain, they're either really stressed. They have a lot of trauma. Their body's trying to pad them from literally, um, or they are in reality, they're not feeling that great. Like they're, they're eating lots of carbs and lots of fat and often very little protein in comparison. And so usually just shifting the protein because protein is so essential for, I mean, yes, muscle building and uh, utilizing fat, but also just for making thyroid hormones, for lowering stress. Women do have a high need for bioavailable protein. So when we're not getting enough, we can feel really, really crappy and we will feel, you know, the carbs and fat will, will at first make us feel amazing. Yes. But then over time, it's like, Oh, I don't think I feel so good. You know, <laughs> like there's something wrong. Um, and it's, it's always that protein. Protein is really a stabilizer and everyone has different protein needs, but, um, most women need like a, a, at least a hundred, but usually well over a hundred. Yeah. So looking at protein, like that is one thing that they should be looking at. Like, are they eating enough quality protein? Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, last thing I want to touch on, and we don't even have to dive super deep into this, but something that I'm really fascinated about uh, is this link between like how our body, if our body feels safe, like our metabolic health and anxiety. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think anxiety. Yeah. I'm very passionate about this topic because I feel like in our current kind of state of just where everything's at, you know, everyone's experiencing a sense of anxiety in, in, in a sense. Um, so what even is anxiety? I feel like people act like anxiety is like this thing that you have instead of really realizing it's a state, it's a state of being. And um, it's both a nervous system state and sometimes just a hormonal and physiological state. And most women have been told all this time, well, oh, you just have anxiety. Here's some anti-anxiety meds or, you know, Oh, just take some like adaptogens. You should be fine. And it's more than that. It's saying, okay, does this correlate at all with my hormones? Usually anxiety is going to correlate with certain times of your cycle. And if you always have anxiety, certain times are going to be worse and certain times are going to be better. Um, does it correlate with your sleep? Does it correlate with your nutrition? And over time we start to realize 
oh my gosh, when I don't eat enough, I have horrible anxiety. It's like, of course you do. Your adrenal glands are having to literally pump out hormones like adrenaline to eat you so that you can keep surviving. So anxiety like really is a state of being. And instead of focusing so in on anxiety, just like anything else, right? We don't want to focus too much on our symptoms, but more look at okay, this is a state that my body's stuck in. Why is it stuck in this place? And sometimes that answer is complex, but usually the easiest way to get a handle on it is start focusing on your ovulation. Make sure you're ovulating, make progesterone, progesterone, especially if your anxiety gets worse in the second half of your cycle, it's almost always progesterone related. And to make progesterone, we need nutrients like whole food vitamin C. We need lots of minerals. We need fat soluble vitamins like retinol um, and vitamin E that comes from things like grass fed tallow and butter. Um, we need lots of protein and we need energy, which comes from carbohydrates. So a lot of times women who experience anxiety are not eating enough and then they're doing stimulating things while they're not eating enough. So they're maybe going to like an orange theory class, like a high intensity interval training class on an empty stomach. I know, cringe. Yeah, <laughs> or in a bright orange room with music just like pumping. Just blasting. Oh, just it gives me it gives me a state of anxiety when I think about being so undernourished and going into a bright orange room and just doing cardio for an hour with music blasting in my ear. Like I know, I know. I actually went for I used to be a group fitness instructor and I went for an interview there and I'd never been to an orange theory class. So they said like you have to take a class first. And I remember running out of that interview. I was like, I am never ever going to work here ever. Like, she's like, I'll call you. And I was like, it's fine. Nope. It was the most traumatic thing of somebody having someone just scream like, go harder, you know? And you're like, I'm dying. Like I've never done this much cardio in my life. (laughs) I feel, um, I used to do some work for Lululemon and they have like all the like ride cycle, the spin studios. Anyway, we did like a group, um, like sweat there and it was like my worst nightmare it's a pitch <laughs> a pitch dark room they they provide earplugs at the door and then it's someone screaming at you with the music so loud and my I was just most stressful experience I've ever had before and I think like women love to do this like why do they like going to a pitch dark room where you need earplugs with someone screaming at you I'm like oh your poor nervous system (laughs) yes so yes so bad like just so it's just in so many ways and oftentimes it's on an empty stomach or maybe like a green juice or a kale smoothie or a black coffee you know and it's just, it's not, it's Ooh. not conducive to health yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love like, you know, we don't have to dive deep into it, but I love how you say like, it's a state. Um, and, you know, what I've noticed, especially over the last couple of years with the rhythm of like the world, or, you know, when we go through maybe a stressful time that increases like our anxiety is that we just like we don't have the capacity on a nervous system level to like be able to deal with that. We just like, we don't have the reserves there. So we end up in this state, which is this highly anxious 
state because the body's not nourished and the nervous system just doesn't have the capacity to like deal with, you know, what's going on. And I found, yeah, over the last couple of years, this to be really interesting to observe in the world around yes. how most people's nervous systems are just like they're screwed. And then you have something like, you know, really big that's going on in the world happen. And people just find it really hard to like, to manage on a nervous system level. And so then when I was thinking about like anxiety uh, and us feeling, you know, that, that state often, I was like, oh, there's like gotta be a link there around like how well the body's nourished and how much like resilience and tolerance it has. And then the state that we find ourselves in all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having a lot of conversations with um, trauma formed like therapists and trauma informed um, coaches. And we've been discussing a lot and a lot more trauma informed coaches and therapists are actually uh, recommending that their clients get nourished first because they're finding that when they start to do this kind of self-work they're just their nerves are so frazzled they can't even get into their body for five minutes and feel that discomfort because a lot of times anxiety is a complete disassociation you're disassociated from what you're feeling what you're thinking your emotions um your body's needs and you're also you know our bodies are very sensitive to electromagnetic fields we're sensitive to vibrations we're sensitive to emotions. And we kind of give off, we all have this um, electromagnetic field that goes six feet around us. Some people call it like an aura or whatever you want to call it, but it's all affect. We're all affecting each other. We're all walking around each other, complete strangers. But every time we walk past someone, we're taking on their energy and they can either give or suck us like a black hole. And so it, it really is a multitude of factors, but at the end of the day, sometimes we don't even have the capacity to deal with our anxiety or the things that are driving anxiety before we just get to a more nourished place and balance our blood sugar a little bit, remineralize a little bit. Like magnesium is one of those ones that's just a like the most calming mineral. It helps relax everything. And a lot of us don't even have the capacity to do that self-work or get to a place where we can and work on those things until we get nourished first. And a lot of times nourishment takes care of a, a majority or a big portion of it. And then, then that opens up a deeper place, a, a more resilient place where we can then kind of figure out, okay, what is driving my anxiety? What are my patterns that get me into this anxious state? And what can I do to kind of start to regulate that and get to a place where I can catch it before it even happens? Yeah, I love uh, I love that you bring that up. I was speaking to Jeannie the other day from Real Food Gangsters, and she said the same thing, that what they're seeing is that almost this trauma work has become like popular. It's quite in, yeah, to go in and yes. like do a lot of a lot of trauma work. But what what they're seeing and what you just said is that they're they're not nourished. And so actually it's just creating absolute chaos in the body and their symptoms are worse and maybe they're they storing more fat or they're they just are their anxiety or their state they're healing I guess is what I'm saying they just can't heal from this trauma work because their body is actually not nourished so she said you know you need to go like please nourish yourself before you dive into this work because this work takes so much energy and if you're already in a depleted state um 
And so, yeah, I think, I think what you just said, Jess, is really important because when something comes in and I'm doing like air quotes, like, in yes, to yeah. like you know, in fashion or into like the, the health healing space, uh, you know, we, we're like, okay, cool. This is really great. Yes. I probably have a lot of trauma. Let's go into the work. But if no one's telling us that actually is your body, does your body feel some kind of safety? Do you have some kind of like reserve there? Because this work is going to, yeah, it's going to be really hard on a nervous system level. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people in this space are also promoting things like intermittent fasting, um, like low carb eating or like, you know, ice baths or like Wim Hof style breathing, those types of things actually induce more stress, more catabolic hormones, which I think why they could feel so good in the short term. But when you pair that with like trauma work and diving deep, what you're doing when you're diving into trauma is you're literally going into places and a you're opening up space for the body to bring things up that were so um, painful to you that it completely shifted your whole physiology forever. It, when you think about it that way, you have to really understand that when we start to dive into this stuff, when you start to do the emotional work, it can bring up big things, big shifts, big physical symptoms and emotional symptoms. And if you're not ready to deal with that, your body doesn't have the energy to work through that. It's just going to get stuck and it's going to actually stimulate you even more. You're going to probably marinate on it. You're going to not be able to process it correctly almost it's just processing, right? When we bring it up, then our body processes it, gets it out, lets it flow, and then we can move on. But when we don't have the capacity to do so, it's just going to get stuck and it's just going to almost continue on like a loop. And so there is a process. And like you said, like nourishment is the first step. It's a, it's a way to create safety. It's almost like your first healing touch to yourself. You're giving yourself a gentle hug and saying, okay, I hear you here you go. Here's your food. You know, you're, that's the first way to reparent. You can't parent if you're not feeding your children because they're starving. You know what I mean? Like if you think of it that way as, you know, nervous system work or healing trauma is reparenting yourself. Well, the first step to parenting is meeting your child's physical needs. If you don't meet your child's physical needs, you're never going to be able to meet their emotional needs. Yeah. Oh, should we, should we end it there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to. But. No, well, I don't know. It, that was a little heavy. Uh, should we yeah. go to something like lighter before we, Light. before we, before yeah. we finish? <laughs> no, it's important. It's really important. It's important because, well, what, what I'm seeing is that it is a metric that uh, needs to be looked at. So a lot of women are going mm. into like, yes, they're restoring their metabolism. They're like training in a different way. They're like doing these things, but the metric that may not be looked at is this, the, the mental clarity, the emotional, the relationship metrics. And so within those maybe a lot of work to do and maybe why some women feel stuck still because they're yeah. not looking at these these other metrics because in the health space we're so focused on food and training but there's so much more to that and so 
we can also come at it from that perspective of like, if you are feeling stuck and, you know, maybe for a year or a couple of years now, you've got a really like stronger foundation, you're training in a way that's working with your body, but something still doesn't feel right. It might be that you need to dive into to those other metrics um, as well. So it is, yeah, it's important, okay. but a little heavy. Yeah. Okay. Well, what should we finish on something? Uh, do you have anything else that you want to like touch on quickly uh mm. fun exciting um, interesting you can tell us yeah something about yourself well, even oh yeah well I I mean I, I'm not very very fun <laughs> I'm you're looking for su- <laughs> super fun there's lots of stuff going on right now I'm looking for we're looking for a house we're getting ready to get married like there's just so so much going on <laughs> Are you? You're looking for a new house and you're going to get married. Yeah. So big year, big year. But I have been like obsessed with just cooking. Like that's my safe place. That's my coping mechanism. And people can psychoanalyze why I'm doing that. I don't care after what we just talked about. But I have been loving (laughs) collecting old cookbooks. So like I am hunting down any cookbooks I can find from like early 1900s that's super fun because none of them have vegetables in them at all nobody liked vegetables except for maybe like a little like a little parsley or like a little you know this or a little that but no cruciferous vegetables to be found which I can dig it and very basic like ingredients like no weird just weird stuff like it's just very basic um I've also been loving studying like traditional cultures like different dishes so I've been trying different dishes from traditional cuisine and it's been very interesting to see how um like they almost instinctually know and people have done this for thousands of years until very recently, I feel like we've kind of lost this tradition of combining foods in a way that actually complements complements from a nutritional perspective. So I was talking on my stories the other day about how, you know, liver is often cooked with either cream or butter. And it's because liver is super rich in, in retinol and vitamin A, but actually quite low in vitamin K2. And butter and cream is very high in vitamin K2. And it helps, it works synergistically with those fat soluble vitamins to help them be absorbed better. So I just find it very interesting. And this is found in every, you know, so many different dishes and all different types of cuisines, but I've been really loving studying it because you start to realize that the wisdom that has been just passed down for generations is so incredibly like scientifically sound, which I just, it, I just love it because it's an, it was, it's always been intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Until now. I love that. I love that you love that, that you love collecting old cookbooks uh, and you, you like, you're obsessed with pairing your foods and a beautiful marriage with the, yes, marriage. Yeah, it's a year of marriage. Yes. Yes. We're marrying our foods together. Marrying our foods. Um, okay. Jess Ash, I know that you are, you're a busy lady. You're a busy boss lady. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love just having conversations with you. I love having conversations <laughs> with you. Oh, I would just love to come and hang out and drink some tea and marry our foods together. Yes. Yes. Marry our foods together. Yeah. It's, um, oh. I'm so grateful for you and for your time. Yeah. Our last one, 
it was it was so well loved it was the most listened to and the most downloaded probably because it had fat how to lose fat in it and because of you of course but oh, um no it's, it's probably the fat yeah <laughs> The Thank fat you. first, probably, and then Jess Ash. Jess Ash second. Okay, Jessica Ash, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Let me know when the podcast is out, and I will love to share it. Oh, I will. You're okay. a gem. You're a gem. Thank you. Of course, of I'll course. Talk you, I'll talk to you. Um, yeah, soon. We'll check in. Talk to you on the gram, on the yep. social gram. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Bye. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.